Hey, are we going? I think we're going. Hooray! We're alive. Good evening, everyone. It is December the 11th, 2019, and I am officially starting to panic about a little bit of gross groceries, about a little bit of Christmas shopping I still have to do. But luckily for me, I have a little bit of um, scotchy scotch scotch for tonight, just to go along with the video yesterday, um, to celebrate its resounding divisiveness. Although I'm not the biggest fan of Glenlivet 12. Certainly not. Let me just raise this up a bit here. Raising the microphone to my face. There we are. Alright. How are we? How are we all this week? I'm alright. It's 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 been a it's been a week. Uh in multiple different ways. A lot of hockey going on. World Junior Selection camps are going on. Uh I've been watching a lot of the World Junior A championship as well. Um definitely got some uh tracking to do after this is over tonight, so don't worry about me slacking off, I guess you could say. But uh yeah, here we are. Around the 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 table again here having a chat. Um I guess the <laughs> The news in my life, yesterday I strapped on the skates for the first time this winter and went for an outdoor season jaunt uh, in High Park in Toronto here and uh, got absolutely embarrassed by a group of uh, youths uh, who all played on the same rep team. I believe they were all midget level. A couple of guys went to junior camps. Uh, there was one uh, kid who went to Shakutami camp uh I don't know his name. I don't didn't bother looking him up. Uh it was uh it was embarrassing. I mean, it was also pretty wild. The thing about Shinny that I love is you just go and you play and whatever. If people take it too seriously, whatever. Everyone, you know, people with a brain realize that you're just there to skate around and get in a bit of exercise. But like some of these kids were just blown blown around the ice at about 40 kilometers an hour. There was a guy who was about six foot five, uh, no older than 20 years old, just blazed up the ice. I usually play defense. That's been my life story. Uh, sometimes I'll play center, but defense mostly. And uh, so, you know, I like to fancy myself a below average to poor backwards skater. Uh, nothing fancy, but this guy just blew right by me. And I mean, it kind of vindicated me a little that he caught an edge and went straight into the net. And this is stick and puck, so there's no padding. Um, there was no, there was no, there's no pads. And this kid went in body first into the post and flung himself around and hit against the backboards uh, pretty hard. And he was not going slow. Not that I enjoy people getting hurt, but I mean... If you're very clearly a skill level or seven ahead of everyone else at a shinny game, like, calm down. And then he went to the bench and literally smoked weed out of a water bottle, and he was fine. So that was a night for me in High Park uh, here. And, uh, yeah, if you are in Toronto, uh, I usually go. Uh, I was going to make a post on social media, but I had put my cell phone at the bottom of my bag and could not get it out. Uh... To, to put something on the internet. So next time I will, you know, lesson learned, keep the cell phone handy because, uh, yeah, it, Tuesday nights I think they do 
shinny from 7 to 8 30 and then weekends is 6 30 9 30 so on saturday so i'm gonna try to get to those especially once january comes along because i i do have a lot of fun even though i'm just terrible um just just so bad but i'm at least kind of playing the game i guess you could say i don't know anyway enough about me uh that's just <laughs> what's been going on in my world <clears throat> all right we got some stuff to catch up on already. Nice turnout right away. Usually it's pretty slow to get going, but I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, now that we're back to Wednesdays, like normal, like normal. Uh, David, what's up, man? Da- David and I get along really well uh, in terms of internet speak. You know, I think I think to me, he and I are very kindred spirits in terms of what we like and you know how our eyes work in players. So that's great. Uh, always good to have people like David around. Not that everyone else is, you know irrelevant but anyway hello how are you all that's great uh anyway next <laughs> jim from boston first time watching in a while what's going on i've got hockey wednesday wednesday night so it's difficult to watch these well luckily for you they're archived on youtube uh and if you don't know um they are now in podcast form so you can get these tomorrow uh probably tomorrow i think tomorrow should be no problem um this will be available tomorrow in podcast form on apple and all those other special platforms that are great um tons and tons of good ones uh i think the only one i'm it's on tune in radio or something and there's like i think stitcher is adding it still um but spotify has it and apple has it and um yeah so if you wanted to you can get it there i think the link should be in the description of the video if it's not uh i will uh, put it in moving forward as a as a default anyway uh but yeah so if you missed it like you do for going to hockey wednesday nights which i will not fault you for i would probably do the same uh then yeah that's a way to to watch it yourself um jasper yeah jasper johansson jasper johansson hello how are you always love the streams i'm glad i'm really really glad um that that everyone is here it's great to see people here and with lots and lots of questions i'm also kind of stalling for time so i can get a bank of questions going here so you know fire them away i'll I'll get to them um but yeah overall pretty solid thank you for asking it's always nice to get asked about how you're doing um (laughs) dealing dealing with minuscule amounts of of fallout from the uh capo caco video i believe it is one of my most disliked videos uh that i have put out not that that really bugs me because dislikes also factor into the YouTube algorithm. Uh, but I think a lot of Rangers fans are misinterpreting what I was getting at, or at least not a lot, a, a, a small portion of them. And I think small portions of all fan bases will will go in looking for something and when they don't get what they're looking for will react outwardly you know, about it, which is fine. It's their right to do so. Uh, there's some kind of stuff that, you know, people were bringing up that totally made sense. Some people were saying, oh, it's only one game and he's been better now that he's with first pit, first line teammates. Fine. If I would hope that playing with first line teammates makes your second overall pick look a lot better. Um, but when you look at his deeper numbers across more than just the one game that I watched, uh, there's questions and those questions should probably be worked out. And they probably will be. I have faith in Capo Caco uh, until the, the until the end of the world, until the day he retires. Uh, so I'm a really, really big fan of of him, uh, and I hope that I didn't come across as thinking that. I just I wanted to come across saying that it's a bit of a shame 
how how things have have gone for him so far it's tough uh for sure to translate to the national hockey league but it's it was just a very stark difference like when i watched jack hughes and when i watched quinn hughes and cody glass and Vili hanala they all kind of matched up to what i remember them from when they were draft eligible you know they all sort of played the same style of hockey same brand like they had been motivated to pursue what they're good at Whereas with watching Capocacco, it was not at all the same. It was not at all the same player. It was as if he was a 30-year-old fourth-line guy who, you know, is just there so the first line can rest, which did not strike me as how he was last year, and I figured something was up, and I really wanted to make a 20-minute long video breaking down every play that I that I caught in that game that was good and bad, but uh, and it wasn't like anything was bad or good. And that's the funny part. Like, he didn't make anything that was terrible. Uh, he didn't do terrible things in that game. He just didn't do much. And anyway. Uh, but that's kind of how I came out after that. Um, so, if there are any Rangers fans watching this who were either pleased or disheartened at the video, uh, I appreciate all the feedback, but I hope that I conveyed what I was trying to convey. Anyway, that's enough talking about that and stalling. I think there's enough questions to go through now, uh, but continue to ask. It's always lovely. Um, and yes, to answer your question, I'm well. Uh, 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 oh, man, the chat b- bounces around here too much. Okay, Mathis Desjardins. Again, a li- almost a lifer. Welcome. Uh, apparently Arizona is making a big push for Taylor Hall. Let's say Hall signs a 6 by $10 million extension. Hmm. A 2021st Connor Garland, Capobianco, and Prosvitov does it? No way. Nuh-uh. That doesn't do it. Uh, if I'm Arizona, or if I'm New Jersey, I mean, uh, I'd have to think about who they've drafted recently. I mean, it's start. you got to have Soderstrom in there. The 2021st is a no-brainer, um, especially if Taylor Hall signs an extension. Connor Garland, I don't think Arizona wants to give him up. Like, I don't think Arizona... Usually when you have a team that's moving to acquire a top-level player, you're not often giving up top... Well, not top, but very, very good players. Um, Very, very good players. You don't want to give up a good player to remove... You know, because otherwise you have to frame that trade as you're upgrading from Connor Garland to Taylor Hall with Taylor Hall's track record this year, which has been, like, mediocre at best. Not saying that he's, like, a bad player, but you know what I'm getting at. And a 2021st Capobianco and Prosvitov, if I'm really sure, that's not enough for giving up a former Hart Trophy winner uh, who still is young and will probably command more than $10 million if he hits open market. Uh, I would be curious, like, Soderstrom would have to be in that deal. Uh, You know, similar to how especially if there's an extension. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the deal is. Arizona should be making a big push. Like, they got, they got a good thing going. They could use more scoring. Um, they have pieces to make a deal. Their their prospect depth is okay, but that that's they're focusing on right now, which I think they need to do for both financial and, you know, on-ice reasons. Um, so if they do end up landing Taylor Hall and extending him, that's great good for them that's a good pickup um but i think that they should be comfortable with the idea of parting with a soderstrom and making it making it happen that way because i don't think what you pitched would do it um that's a lot of quantity especially if taylor hall say takes arizona to the conference final and that's a 28th 27th overall pick maybe you'll get a good player in 2020 sure but 
on on paper that doesn't strike me as as enough for a guy who's like taylor hall uh all right jim from boston again hello who has impressed you in the world junior a championship that's a good question uh there's a few of them uh i might need to pull up the rosters because i i've been watching it but not like every single game and all 60 minutes of every single game but i have watched quite a bit the u.s has a great team sean farrell has been really impressive uh brendan brisson has been really really impressive um daniel chayka is a 2021 eligible and he is i think he's going to be lights out just really really good defensive player both two-way i guess you could say but just a defenseman is he's really really good um beyond that uh i mean i'll always go to bat for marat uh marat kuznudinov he's been pretty good from what i've seen but not putting up points which seems to be typical for him but he's playing with the line mates that he plays with uh i think Ilya richkov is a line mate of his with 1946 and I've seen Richkov flub about nine grade A scoring chances that, that Kuznodinov sets up for him. But, you know, such is life. I do like Richkov, though. He's he's been he has some pretty nice talent, but I don't know, doesn't seem like it's quite enough. Uh let me pull up the rosters though, because I don't want to be a fool. Because there are quite a few guys who have really stood out. Vasily Ponomaryov has looked great. Um that's a player who I think was just getting used to North American hockey. Uh I I was I'm not, I wouldn't say I was sleeping on him because what I was watching was not great and his numbers are not good so far. But he is improving, uh, similar to Jean Luc Foudy. Both of those guys are are coming on. Um, so that that's that's been really impressive to me um, to see how well he's been playing at that tournament. Uh, so it might just be a situation of a guy who might be a bit you know fish out of water. Uh, but I think he'll figure it out. Uh, ben Meehan is a defenseman for the U.S. team that's stood out to me a bit. Um, who else is in here? Sam Colangelo has been good. Um, but in terms of, like, real standouts, um, you know, I always like Alex Poshin for sure. Uh, there's another guy on here. Oh, Danny Gushin is another one who I really, really like for the Russian team. Um, the Canadian teams have not been great, but Ethan Edwards has been good from what I've seen, you know, I, but outside of that, both of those teams have been kind of, eh, um, really not, I'm, I'm really souring on Carter Savoy pretty quickly. The more I watch and the more I, the more data that I get and, and everything, like he just kind of spooks me and I think someone's going to take him too high. Um, I, I don't, I don't know though. I've liked Devin Levi in net for the Canadian East team too. He's been good in net and his numbers are unbelievable in the CCHL. Not that that's a super high level league, but the last goalie from there was Colton Point. And let me pull him up. Um, But he's come out okay from the last time I checked, but I could be very wrong at this point. He is okay. So he's like a not okay. So he's not doing too great. Um, the NCAA man it's a weird thing when guys are good in the NCAA sometimes it just doesn't translate um but yeah Devin Levi's been impressive to me uh as well but he's only six feet tall so he'll probably go in the seventh round or something um yeah I guess that kind of wraps that up not not too many other names that are jumping out here um Ryder Rolston's been good but I think the one that's really really impressed me the most who I really liked last year but now this year is 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 Sean Farrell he stood out to me with the under 18 team with the U.S. team last year um you know I don't know if he's like a first round pick type player but uh you know just if you know what you're getting with him you know just an aggressive 
offensively talented, you know, hardworking guy, he's a guy that I would certainly look at, you know, second round. And if he's there in the third round, that's an easy call. Uh, but I don't think he'll last that long. Um, Close those up. <clears throat> Do you see any way Germany does not get murdered in the groups at the World Junior Championship? Uh, don't count out the German team. Um, I don't, I could see them getting out into the quarterfinals. I mean, I, I look at, so let me, uh, I, I showed this, uh, last week to those of you who, uh, were here. Uh, this is a tracking sheet that I'm putting together that will be public at the end of the month. Patrons have access to it. So if you're a patron of the, of the project, you can join in for the fun. Um, but I look at, so the team that I think Germany has to really focus on not losing to, let me double check the groups. Um, let me just double check the groups because I don't want to get it wrong. But I mean, Kazakhstan is almost a foregone conclusion that they are going to be in that, in that relegation round. I, they had all of their players from last year who were, you know, anything. They have probably one or two players this year who are worth, you know, worth paying attention to um why can i not just look at the at the standings that are there okay so here are the groups yeah so okay that sucks so germany is in a group with the united states russia canada and the czech republic can they beat the czech team to get out of the relegation round i don't i don't think so it it's possible i don't think you can underestimate how good their good players are i think germany is bringing a really really strong team I just was hoping that they would be in the same group as Switzerland because having, I think Switzerland is going to have a relatively weak team. I mean, the leading names on their team, Nussbaumer, Tim Burney is really good, but I don't know if he's like a guy you can put on the shoulder, like a team on his shoulders. Um, David Abisher, Kyan Sopa, Nico Gross, I've never been a huge fan. Um, and I just don't know. It doesn't like their goaltending isn't great. Luca Hollenstein is 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 good, but I don't know. Um, and I thought I thought that maybe if there was going to be any team that beats that the Germans can really beat, it would be the Swiss. But again, last year they were a fourth place team, and I didn't give them the time of day then either. So weird things happen all the time. I guess is what I'm saying. But I don't know if the Germans can get over the the Czech Republic hump, especially because the Czechs have pretty solid goaltending they've got Dostal, Bednar or Bednar or sure whatever you want to call it uh Malik Parik they've got a lot of goaltending and you know Germany will probably be playing guys like Stutzel and uh Reichel and all that like 20 billion minutes a night so maybe that'll pull it off but I don't know I'm not sure I think there's more depth with the Czech Republic um, the goaltending, I think, is better, and it it's sketchy, but I'm not going to count them out because they have some very, very talented hockey players. Um, also, can good players on bad teams stand out regardless? Sure. Yes, they can. I mean, they're still good players. Um, you know, last year, Philip Kurashev really stood out for, for Switzerland last year. Um, even players kind of come come to the surface and show up for that tournament. Yannick Bruschweiler was a guy who I really, really liked it for the Swiss team last year. Um, but Philip Kurashev was a guy who kind of really carried that team. I think he had six goals in five games or something like that. Pretty wild stuff. Is Lafreniere going to go first for sure? Uh, no, I don't think that's a sure bet at all. I mean, everything I have been hearing from the World Junior Selection Camp is that Byfield is one of the best players in the camp. 
which I can see. I, I could see that happening. Um, I mean, today they played Canadian University teams, and Quentin Byfield should have his way with those guys. Oh, that's not great. That stuff is not great. Uh, but I would not... I, I've been saying 60-40 Lafreniere for me, but I would say that, in, that, that as of today... I don't know. The more I watch of Quentin Byfield, you know, if you want to just swing for the potentially best player to come out of the draft, boy, uh, it would. it's a hard decision, but I don't know. After this game, I am going to be tracking Lafreniere. Uh, oh, I didn't add his name to this. I'm going to do that right now uh, because technically this counts because I did it last night. Um, Quentin Byfield, I, I, I gave him, I gave him another game last night, so I'm up to two on him, uh, and I'm doing my second for Lafreniere, and last night, the game I watched of his, he was unbelievable, I don't think he got that many points at even strength, I mean, not that many, I think he only had one, but, uh, I think I tweeted about it, uh, he had something like 10 pass attempts all night, or 10 completed passes on 14 attempts, and seven of them were to the dangerous areas of the ice, that's just... That blows everyone else out of the water in a single game sample. Um, so, yeah, not bad. Uh, so I would say it's certainly not a sure thing, I think, that Lafreniere is the guy that goes first. I think it's probably still the case, but for me personally, it's a discussion that you could have until the end of time. I think you'd have no wrong answer, but I think that if you want to just go for it, you know, and go for upside... I, I, I think Byfield is the guy. Uh, Glamorous Glue. Good name. I like that one. Can't even think of a question this week. Unacceptable. Then, then why are you here? Just kidding. You can stay as long as you want. Is there any prospect stuff you can say to cheer me up as a Red Wings fan? Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, the Red Wings have probably one of the best pipelines in the league. Uh, I mean, they've done a really good job drafting recently. Um, they went full send with taking, uh, one, um, what's his name? Mr. Moritz Sider. And that seems to be paying off early. Um, much to my surprise, even though I have liked Moritz Sider, that was a big, big reach. Uh, and, uh, I'm still kind of amazed at just how good he has been, but... And again, time will tell. It's still very early, um, but yeah. Rest assured, the Red Wings on the ice right now are not good. That is truth. Um, but I don't think they will be bad for a very much for much longer. I don't think so. Like if they end up with a Quinton Byfield second overall, and you have Larkin and and Byfield and Valeno and like it, the story kind of writes itself there. I think it'll be okay. Don't worry. Uh, I don't think the Toronto Red Wings, uh, Toronto Red Wings, watching too much young people hockey. Uh, I don't think the Detroit Red Wings are going to be, uh, in the dumps for too long, especially with a guy like Steve Eisenman at the helm, who seems to kind of know what he's doing, uh, in, in a sense. But yeah, I, I, please just don't worry about it. The Red Wings are going to be fine. Colin, Colin 4000. Yes. The one and only. One of the OGs. Uh, finally catching a stream at the beginning. The evening is well. Uh, going alright. Uh, I apologize for the mess behind me. My mother, while I was at work today, uh, put up the Christmas tree and uh, lit it. So, um, 
ripped up everything under the stairs to get to the big box behind me over there. This one, uh, which contains all of the uh, Scouch family ornaments. So it's a bit of a mess down here. Also, I totally didn't even notice the mannequin right there. That is a mannequin. Um, I don't know if it's modeled after anyone specifically, uh, but it is probably going to be my mascot now. Um, my mother left that there and I did not realize it was there until now. So there's a mannequin and I'm not going to move it. Um, but yes, other than that, had a, a lovely dinner and uh, now I have a couple of glasses of water and a glass of mediocre scotch whiskey with me. So here I am. David Girth, Good name. Finals week sucks so much. Trust me. I know. I've been there uh, many times. Enough complaining. <laughs> it's okay. Anyone on Notre Dame interests you this year? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't even know who's playing on that team. Is Cam Morrison still there? Uh, ah, man. I don't even know. Um, oh, my goodness. I'm just going to pull it up friggin on elite prospects bum 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 i am on my way to see notre dame's roster university of notre dame all right well oh spencer stastny is one i'm a big fan of him he's a guy who i'm really glad that you know he's kind of finding his stride i loved him with the junior team and last year i was hoping that he would have been a bit better, but he seems to be figuring it out, which, you know, I'm thrilled because I've always liked Spencer Stasny. Um, they have a guy named Solog on his team, on this team. That's pretty cool. Uh, I know Trevor Janicki got an invite to, to camp. I am surprised. Not, you know, I mean, good for him, for sure. Um, but I never came away thinking, oh, this guy's a, a legit thing. But he seems to be doing well in his freshman year. Um... Cam Morrison is on this team. Uh, Alex Steves is a guy who I'm hoping keeps going with his career and kind of figuring it out a little bit. He was a guy who I had on my undrafted list after, uh, you know, in my first undrafted list in 2018. Um, and he did not have a great year last year, but this year he seems to be doing a little bit better. Um, the question with him to me was always his skating, and I'm glad that that it appears that things are getting better for him. Um... And with Cale Morris, I know what you mean. The thing is, again, with, with goaltenders, it's really hard. I mean, you can always hope, I guess you can say, that their historical ability will come back. So for Cale Morris, it's pretty rare to see a goaltender go from a 930 to an 890 year over year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it just for him, it has not been great. I'm looking at his game-by-games. Uh, his save percentages in his last few games, 778, 846, 810, 897. He hasn't given up fewer than three goals since November 22nd. That's not great. And he has given, and the, before that one game, he gave up four. Yikes. That's not ideal. So, anyway, I don't know. B but again, hope that, that the guy figures it out. Um, but again, goalies are weird sometimes. Uh, but those would be the guys. Uh, Stasny and Steves, for me personally, are, are are close to my heart. Cam Morrison, obviously, is pretty good as well. And Trevor Janicki's headed to the World Junior Camp. So if he makes the team, good for him. Um, be looking out for him in the World Juniors. Is Tim Stotzel a bit of an anomaly considering how no high-profile offensive prospects have come from the DEL? 
Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess, in a sense, because he's the highest scoring German elite league player ever, at least in recent memory. So, yes, I guess by that definition, he's an anomaly. Most high-level German players leave, or at least they have in the past. Um, I know, though, that playing for Mannheim, that's a good program, um, a good hockey program, and they certainly, from what I've heard uh, from some Germans that I know, uh, um, that, that they've dumped a lot of money into development and hiring better coaches and really sort of pushing themselves to be sort of a powerhouse in that league and and by you know in doing so they're attracting guys like Stotzel to stay which is good I think that's a good thing I think it's beneficial for both the player and the team to have really really good young talent playing against professionals early um and and it's he's playing really well I mean he's been up on the first line off and on for most of the year I want to say like he's playing a lot and Yes, I guess that means on paper he's an anomaly. Like, the last really high-level German player was Leon Dreisaitl, uh, other than Moritz Seider. But, like, Leon Dreisaitl, high-octane offensive player, and he went to the WHL. Um, he didn't even play in the DEL, I don't think. So, to see a guy who's 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 setting that, you know, blazing that trail is, is good to me. Um, you know, obviously I want Canadian Hockey League's league teams in Canada to thrive and, and bring in good talent as well, but... I'm more I'm always a fan of young people doing what's most comfortable for them and whether that's coming to you know if you're an Austrian player for example if you're really comfortable coming to Canada and playing hockey like a Marco Rossi has been good for you go and go and do it but I think that you know if Marco Rossi had you know done it over again and he were thinking well maybe I'll go join Red Bull Salzburg's junior team and and you know play in the Alps Hockey League last year and this year he could be you know um, in, in, a, in, in, in a higher level, then maybe that would be a different route for him where he could stay closer to home and all that stuff. But not that that's a bad thing at, at all. Uh, it's just good to see young people presented with the choice to do what's best for them as opposed to saying, if I don't leave, then I, my chances of going to where I want to go are, are mitigated. Um, and that can be troublesome. But yes, I, I, I guess on paper he's an anomaly. Um, Mathis Desjardins, different skill sets, but who would you rather have as a prospect? Veselainen, Robertson, or Simontoval? Ooh. Uh. Well, the hardest thing to do is score. And I think I'll go with Jason Robertson because he scores a lot. Uh. One way or the other, he's putting the puck in the net. He's the AHL player of the week. I will take him. But I wish I could take all three. I mean, I if I had to power rank them, probably I'd put Robertson ahead of Simone Tavall, ahead of Veselainen. And that might be a bit of a hot take. But I think Simone Tavall's potential is gargantuan. I, I think that he's shooting the puck a ton at his level. You know, he's underperforming his offensive ability, even though he's like a point-per-game player. Um, let me pull him up here. I hope it loads. It's been open for a while, so it might... Nope. Uh, okay, there it is. Um, yeah, so he's above a point-per-game at this level on a really, really good team that rules four lines. I don't think he's playing a tremendous amount. Uh, let me just double-check both games that I've tracked. 
uh, while I stall for time, there he is. Yeah, so at even strength, he's played 14 and a half minutes and 15 minutes, which is a lot. Uh, that's that's a lot of ice time, but it feels like they're kind of rolling lines pretty okay. Um, and he's getting his chances. You know, he, he's certainly getting his chances. Um, you know, and getting a lot of controlled zone exits and entries. Uh, that's kind of his bread and butter, and I do value that quite a bit. Um at the same time, <laughs> it was funny. In one game, the the first game that I tracked of his, you know, in both games, the shot differentials overall were not great for him. Um, but at high danger and medium danger, they were actually very, very good. So when it counts, he's getting there. Um, but in the first game, he had a ton of controlled zone exits and entries that were really, par- really, really fun to watch. And then in the second game, it just wasn't there. I think I counted him being involved in exiting the defensive zone without control 13 times in a game, which is about just under once a minute for him. That's not great. You're going to need to have him leaving the defensive zone with control, whether it's with passing or not. Um, connected on 6 of 14 of his passes, which is probably part of it. So connecting on those passes is going to be important. It'll be interesting to see how that data fixes itself after five, six, seven games. Um, but I will certainly be watching seven games of his and, and tracking all, all of them and, and going the full full nine yards. Um, and Veselainen, I like Christian Veselainen for sure, um, but I don't know. I just always have enjoyed watching Robertson and Simone Tavall more. Draft Dynasty, sup? What's up, Yannick? How are you, man? Doing, doing the thing, as we all are. Um... Is Jean-Luc Foudy's November, December just a hot streak of what we expect? I, I'm i hoping it's kind of him getting back to where he should be. Um, he he kind of reg- is regressing pretty quick to where he should be, uh, which is which is good. He started off the year not great. Um, I did like him at the Holinka. I He's a player who this week is – he's probably going to be a player I track before next Wednesday. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, he He's definitely on the list. Um, you know, and the thing that I, when I wrote for Brock Otten's top 10 OHL prospect thing, uh, I, I had Foodie down a bit lower, but that's mostly because of the data that I was looking at and that I hadn't seen much, you know, that really impressed me during the regular season. Um, but one thing that was really important that I've noticed with a few players, uh, is that when goals are scored at even strength, when he's on the ice, he's getting important points, you know, goals, primary assists, he has any point on 83% of even strength goals when he's on the ice, which is really good for a forward. Um, so he's making it happen. It just feels like he maybe has not great teammates or uh, things aren't just going in for him or, or whatever. But whenever things happen, he's making it count. Um, so I, I, I would hope that over time he improves. Uh, I've bumped him up my ranking significantly. Uh, because I've watched a bit of him just sort of passively, and he does seem to be getting back to where he could be. Water. The best beverage there is. Um, Psycho Killer. Oh, I shouldn't have said that out loud. Now I'm going to get demonetized. Thoughts on Maxim Groshev playing the KHL at 18. I see why they're doing it. Uh, I see why Reactor uh, is doing it, or n- 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 uh, what's that place called? Um, n- 
Nizhnikovsk? Is that the t- is that what it's called? Anyway, I see why they're doing it. He skates pretty well in terms of his speed. He's an awkward-looking skater, but he gets around the ice at 100%, um, and he hits guys. So if they want a guy who's a third-line power winger uh, who can just make a pass, then good for that's the guy that, that can do it. Um, he's, he's not a bad hockey player at all. Um, I've seen his hit the points he's been scoring and they're not spectacular really just kind of heaving it from the point and someone slaps it in from in front of the net and there you go there's your assist yeah so he doesn't strike me as the type of player who like is just making things happen constantly I'm surprised he got a call to to the world junior team and Rodion Amirov didn't um but if they again it might just be a case of this guy could play third or fourth line and he'd be happy doing it and he'd fit the role nicely because we want our bottom six to be be big heavy banging guys and that's cool um not how i would build my team but that's how they want to do it these days and they'll do it uh and that's kind of why he's there i Think, I think that using, you know, just because he's been playing in the KHL, drafting him super high, I think would be a, a mistake. Similar to like an Alex Nikishin might be a mistake really high. Um, but I will need to watch more of him. I've tracked a game of his. I don't think there's going to be a video on him because I, he's it's hard because there's not much to put on screen about him where I go, look at how amazing this was or look at how not great this was. He's just kind of fitting in. Um, and that's fine just doesn't make good tv uh new subscriber ah yes the rangers fans hello uh any thoughts on the Kravtsov situation i'm very happy to have you by the way welcome matthew i hope this is not your last one uh any thoughts on the Kravtsov situation who boy that's a juicy one um that was a juicy one so apparently he basically said I kind of basically got drained coming here to North America. One thing I'm learning really quickly this year especially is that it's really important to make European players, or at least non-North American players, really comfortable in an environment they might be really unfamiliar with. You know, I think Kravtsov came to New York expecting a spot with the Rangers, and when he didn't get it, I don't know what happened, but something happened along the way where maybe he wasn't told why well enough. Maybe he wasn't, uh, you know, maybe he just wasn't um, feeling the ice as well. But if Tractor's general manager, I think it was, comes out today and says we had to send him to the minors because he felt like it, he it basically sounded like he came back to Russia depressed and they just needed him to get his feet back and get his game back, um, which I can understand. But it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. Um, I don't think he's, like, a bust. I think that would be insanely silly to to postulate. He'll be back. I I don't know when. I mean, I, I think that you, if the conversation with him has not happened to sort of get back to square one and sort of start this over again, then it probably should happen pretty soon. Cause you don't want the guy going back to Russia, finding his gear in Russia. And then for the rest of the next couple of years, he goes, I think I'm okay. And, and I think whoever's paying me in the KHL is okay with a top 10 NHL draft pick who was kind of 
who ran himself out of town one way or the other, I think I'm okay with this situation for a while. Not saying that's what I would do, but I'm not, I'm not him. And I can see how you would go from, I'm going to be in the NHL next year because I was a top 10 pick and I had a great KHL year to, ah, crap, I'm in the AHL to, oh crap, I'm a healthy scratch in the AHL to what is going on. And now you're back in Russia and then they send you to the minors. That's a rough year. And I think that it's not unsalvageable, but there might be something in the back of his head now, especially with guys like Capo Caco also struggling, um, that he might go, uh, yeah, I think I'm okay for a while, but time will tell. I mean, time heals a lot of wounds and I think he'll be okay long-term just how long that will be. I don't know. Um, Guys I did not watch, but I'm intrigued by. Michael Goot and Carson Bantle. I've seen Carson Bantle play a lot. The guy can shoot it. Uh, not a great skater. Uh, I'll pull him up here. He's a guy who... I haven't come up with a proper name for this, but he really strikes me as the type of guy who's the one good player on a bad team. Uh, you know, to have an involvement percentage of 40% plus when you're a point per game is astounding. Uh, that implies that your team is scoring like two point something goals per game, like low twos, which is not great. Uh, if you're on the ice and scoring 2.6 even strength goals per 60 minutes, the team when you're on the ice, and that's 200% higher than the team without you on the ice, you're about the only person driving that bus. Um, and I don't know. I, I've always been kind of sketched out by Carson Bantle watching him. He's big and hulking and he's got a good shot, but he's not a great skater. Um, you know, he's more of a catch and release type trigger man kind of guy. Uh, but I will need to watch more of him. It's just every time I watch him, I kind of go, yeah, I don't know. And, and, eh. but I think he'll get drafted pretty high cause he's big and he scores. I don't know. But I just have a hard time getting a read on him. Maybe I have to look into him, look into him more. But there's other USHL guys that I think are more impressive. Um, but maybe I'll circle back later. And with Goot, yeah, he's he's been pretty good. But a player, he's a player I need to watch more of the, to to have a real serious opinion. World Junior A Challenge related. Have seen a lot. D- a lot of I, I don't know a Dover tingling this season I don't know what that means with Hawksbury and was good to see him putting up points at the best on best level who's a player I you'll need to double check that name I don't know who you're talking about I apologize uh racist fan rocks what spot do the Oilers need the most and the players they need to look at in the draft well the again I get questions from Oilers fans a little bit I don't know where they're gonna be drafting it's if they're a playoff team, they could draft 16th or 17th, or they could draft 31st. Um, they need, in terms of prospects, pretty much more of everything, if you ask me. Like, they've done a good job of adding various parts. So Bouchard and Broberg um, and Yamamoto, you know, they've, they've filled things out okay. You know, Raphael Lavoie has been good. But you really, I don't think the Oilers could go wrong looking at almost any position. Uh, Judging by how they've drafted recently, I mean, they like their defenseman big. You know, like, is William Wallander going to be wearing an Oilers jersey next year? I don't see Jeremy Poirier really being an Oiler outside of if they really like Evan Bouchard and want more of that. 
um, then maybe they go with Poirier, maybe. Um, but beyond that, I mean, it's going to depend on who's available and what pick they're picking at. Because, I mean, Connor McDavid could get in a car accident tomorrow and blow out his knee, and the whole season could go down the tubes quickly. I, I don't know. I don't know if the Oilers are as good as they've as they've been for the rest of the year. I don't know if Dreisaitl and McDavid are going to be able to sustain playing 27 minutes a night for the rest of the year. I don't know. Uh, so maybe ask me that question in like May <laughs> and, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll circle back. I won't forget. Uh, how would you rank Emil Andre, Helga Granz, Topi Nimala, Michael Benning, and Justin Barron? That's, that's five names. Um, well, I'll tell you because I have it up here. Uh, so who's first on that list here? I think Andre is the first one. Yes. Emil Andre is there. I have him at the tail end of the first round. I like him. I don't know what his upside is, but I like him. Beyond that, Topi Nimala is not far behind, and frankly, I find them somewhat interchangeable. I really, really like Topi Nimala quite a lot. Um... Beyond that, uh, who else is in here? Uh, Justin Barron is behind him, I think. Yeah, there he is. He's warming up, I guess you could say, but I don't know. I think he's kind of not in that top echelon anymore. I, I don't know what's going on, but he's a player I've tracked a game, and, and I'll need to track more. Uh, Michael Benning, I think, is the lowest one, um, mostly because I don't believe that I've watched the Sherwood Park Crusaders play a lot, and on the power play, they are certainly a devastating team to play against. It's it's just almost automatic. Um, but at even strength, I mean, Michael Benning is an efficient puck mover. I'll give him that. Uh, the skating needs work. His his movement speed is not great. Keeping up with the pace of play, uh, you know, he gets rubbed off pucks quite a bit, but when the puck is on his stick and he has time to think... He's a lot of fun, and he can make really, really nice passes. Um, I think he's a long-term guy. Might need a bit of time in the NCAA to adjust, but I, he's he's pretty good, but I don't know if I would put him as high as some people are putting him. I think there's more upside to be found with stuff that is better, or at least easier to work with, uh, than a guy who has the lack of foot speed uh, and lack of, I guess, size would be the word, or, or resiliency on the puck. Um, you know, especially when the whole team he plays on is just so, so good. I mean, I really like the captain of that team, Arjun Otwal. He's older. I think he's an older, like he's a 99, September 99 kid. But I've been a really big fan of him. He seems to be the guy moving pucks up the ice with a lot of speed for that team. Uh, and in the offensive zone, he'll just make a pass to Carter Savoy, who will just deke around a guy and just snap it top shelf. And that's kind of how he puts up his goals. So if he can get the puck to Carter Savoy, then he makes Carter Savoy look really, really good. Um, but that's just me. Ravi Agman. Agman? Agman? What's going on? How are you? Amir Alverpod Colson. Ho 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 ho. Um, my gut says I would take Amirov above Pod Colson. My gut. And that's mostly because Amirov, I always kind of side on the part of guys who make the game look easy. And the thing about Vasily Podkolzin that I always have been skeptical about, and I know that people are sensitive about Vasily Podkolzin, but the way that I always have felt about him and still do is that he works 120% every single 
millisecond that he's on the ice. That is a good thing, but at the same time, the lack of production that he has stems from the and then what. You can work your butt off every single shift you're out there, but and then what? Like what where does that go? Um I'm sure he'll be fine, but but I think with Amirov, there's a much more dangerous offensive flair there. Uh he he's a you know, he's a guy who generates his speed and then he can coast and and find open ice and make a play. You know, he's got a great shot. Um, he's a guy who I haven't seen play in a long time, so I might need to go and watch him again and do a second game of his in the near future. But every time I've watched him play, even at the KHL level, there was a couple, there was a game I watched of his in the KHL where he could have had two points easy. Uh, you know, I think he put one wide open net shot over the net. Uh, he had another one. I think he passed the puck to a teammate and it went off the post. Um, you know, like he's doing, he's cooking, I think. And, and I'm more excited about him when I watch him than Pod Colson. Um, and in a and in a weaker draft year, he'd probably be a top ten guy. But yeah, he's right at the top tier or the top end of my of my non top two. Like he's top fifteen, I would say, pretty safely. Um. Anyway. Uh. Okay. Thoughts on Vitaly Facili Crafts? Oh, we've been there. Yeah, we we went over that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jared McIsaac? Uh, I'm glad he's back playing. Uh, he's been injured this whole year. I really liked him with Halifax last year. You know, it's funny when Justin Barron does not have Jared McIsaac. He did not look as good. Um, I really like Jared McIsaac. He's a guy I was pretty low on when he was draft eligible. Um, but <laughs> you know. There, there were some signs where I went, yeah, I don't know if I'd use a first-round pick on him, but the fact that he was one of the first second-round picks off the board, I'm not surprised, and I probably would have done the same thing. So for whoever was asking about Detroit and making themselves feel better, keep in mind, Jared McIsaac has barely played this year, and he had a great year last year. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he can do at the World Juniors, and, and from there, God knows what. Um, but but I'm a I'm a fan of his both offensively and defensively. He's a great skater, just a good offensive leaning two way guy. I I'm a fan. Uh, will Hoaglander make the Canucks next season? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It it all. Um, hmm. I doubt it. I I think that I, I think the Canucks are kind of gonna be patient with him. Um. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Niels Hoaglander. His contract expires next year in Finland, so or in Sweden. So that strikes me as he's going to spend another year in Finland and then come to Vancouver afterwards. Um, do I think he's ready? I'm not sure. I, I think that the issue with him has always been in his own end. He's not a great uh, possession player. Um, he He's not a, a terribly great possession player in his own end. Really flashy offensive player. Certainly lots of fun to watch. Um, but th- again, he's one of those guys where there's more to the game than than what he's been, you know, really, really good at. Um, I, I love his talent, though. So don't take that as a negative. I think he's going to be a guy that you need to bring along slowly. Um, otherwise, you don't, you might give him too much too soon and, and things might, you know, snowball from there. Uh, but big fan of his potential for sure. Uh, just might be another year. Since there isn't anyone to compare to from the DEL, what league do you think is most comparable to the DEL to get an idea of how good Stutzel's production is? 
That's a really good question because I've watched a lot of European pro leagues this year. Um, I think you could say that it's kind of, I would maybe put it above like the Finnish second division, like somewhere in between the two Finnish divisions. Uh, I, I, I maybe like the Allsvenskan kind of level hockey. It's just, he's really good in the, in a good league. You know, like Elias Pettersson was like an MVP level Allsvenskan player. Uh, and I don't think Stoutzel's on the same level there as Pedersen was, but the production I think could be roughly similar. Um, I think they're in a, in a relatively similar league there. I think the SHL is, is ahead of the DEL. The Liga I think is ahead of the DEL, but it's pretty good hockey for the most part. It's not as sloppy as some of the lower leagues. Like I've watched a bit of Slovakia's league and, and all that recently, it's a lot of sloppier hockey, you know, second division Russia is pretty saw pretty sloppy, but it's decent. Um, but the DEL is a pretty good, well-refined league on the whole. And, uh, yeah, I'd put it somewhere in that Mesty, Allsvenskan, maybe just in between those two leagues kind of range, uh, and, and, and call it a day. Do you think you were a bit harsh on Kako? No, I don't actually. He has the second most points of any second overall pick from 2010. Yes, but you can't just look at points. More than points, it's all of his points are on the power play. I think he has four even strength points all year this year. Yes, he's not playing with good line mates, but there's a reason I put the charts in that video that I did. Because in his own end, even relative to Brendan Lemieux and Brett Howden, he has been bad. Uh, even, you know, and, and putting him on the first line, you hope that makes him better. You know, you hope, look at Zach Cassian. Zach Cassian's playing on a line with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, and people are talking about him like he's rejuvenating his career. It's like, well, sure, anyone is going to score a point per game when your line mates are scoring two and a half points per game. It's just, by nature of being there, it's going to make you look a little bit better. I, and I think that's something that they kind of had to try with him, is just to give him some confidence, because I think the core of it is, is, is that I don't think he's playing with a lot of confidence. I think some people are saying that that David Quinn is telling him that he has to play a certain way. I don't know if that's true. I'm not super, super tied in with the Rangers or what's going on there or what David Quinn says every day. I'm just not in that world. Um, But it does sound like something that a coach would say. Um, The thing is, I watched a lot of Capo Caco last year, and I did not see anything from what I saw. And in the stuff that I've seen since... I went and looked at some other games to try to take a look. I don't see the same player. It's just, it's, it's not, he doesn't seem to have any confidence. He doesn't have, he doesn't seem to have any explosivity off of, off the shot. Uh, not his shot off the, off his feet. Like he just, he seems to be two steps behind the play, especially in his own end. Uh, the hands are there, you know, he's able to create room for himself, move pucks pretty efficiently, that's great. That's all there. And I again, I'm not I'm not saying he's a bust. I'd be an idiot if I was if I was parroting that. Uh the point I was trying to make was he's a player that I think needs confidence and if he's not ready for the National Hockey League yet, that's fine. It's not it's not a terrible thing to give a guy top line minutes in the AHL uh maybe in Hartford considering what's happened with a few of the guys there, but at the end of the day it just wasn't, I, I wasn't trying to come off as if I was being harsh. I'm trying to say, like, I've seen what he can do, and I just did not see it 
in a in a game and I didn't and I and there's the numbers behind him and his production don't indicate to me that he's pushing play terrifically well at even strength. Last year he was unbelievable, maybe a bit weak in his own end, that might have been a thing that that I would have red flagged, but the offense heavily outweighed it. He's he was great last year. Um and so when people were telling me, oh, he has the most points of blah, 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 it's like, well, yeah, look deeper than that. There's, 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 more, to, there's more to the game than how many points you have, um, especially when you're looking at power play versus even strength. If he's on the power play, they just park him in the faceoff dot, and he gets the puck and shoots it, and he's got a great shot. So, sure, pucks are going to go in. Um, but, you know, someone like Jack Hughes, I think Kako has, I think, four even strength points this year. Jack Hughes has seven or eight, and I think five or six are primary assists. So he's cooking. Like Jack Hughes is out there cooking. He, you know, and the team around him is not great. Uh, they put him on a line with Zaka and Simmons quite a bit, uh, and now he's kind of heating up. Now that he's kind of getting away from that, we'll see what happens when Taylor Hall gets moved. But uh, it, I guess to answer your question, what does he have to improve? I think he needs confidence, like something to get him some confidence, a hot streak, you know, give him an eight or 10 game, uh, you know, point per game streak where he's scoring at even strength, you know, give him the freedom. I saw him dumping pucks constantly and I did not see him do that in Finland. And I remember him saying in an interview that this year he was being expected to dump a lot more pucks and chip and chase hockey, which is not to me in the NHL. That's not an effective way to play. It's, it, it's kind of outdated. Other teams are too fast. Most other teams are just going to chase those pucks down and get them. Yes, the Rangers are in relatively good playoff position, but uh, I just find that when you're telling your players to chip and chase, a lot of times you're going to get burned unless your team is faster than the other team. Um, So I think he needs to get some confidence. I think he needs to reframe his thinking to sort of get back to what he did so well in Finland, which is puck puck possession, being strong on the puck. I think time is going to have to get him, you know, you're going to need to give him some time to get stronger, like in terms of his frame, but his puck protection last year was unbelievable. His, he was so dangerous around the net when he was just let, let free with the puck and and allow him to do what he wants with it. Um, Now it just feels like he's sort of a complimentary piece and it just didn't really sit with me right. It was kind of, like I said in the video, compared to the other rookies that I have seen this year, relative to where they were when they were draft eligible he's the only one where i felt like it was a different style of play it just he was not playing the game that made him a second overall pick so whatever that means to you whatever that means to david quinn or whatever something kind of needs to shift and if they're playing him with the first line and he looks a little bit better good like that's a good thing um but yeah i mean Maybe that's all he needs. Maybe you just play him with Artemi Panarin or something and he gets better. But I think he will get better. I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. Who from next year's draft do you see playing in the NHL right away? Well, Byfield for sure. Lafreniere for sure. Uh, Raymond, not sure. Uh, might need another year to keep getting better in the SHL. Uh, but beyond that... Um, I mean, Marco Rossi, I think, could. Like, what's he going to do? Are you going to send Marco Rossi back to the OHL after he puts up, like, 160 points? Um, Like, there's no point. And I don't think he's going to be very happy with that. He strikes me as the... Oh, great. He strikes me as the kind of person who is really... um, 
confident in his ability, I guess you could say. I think he is a really, really confident young man, which I really appreciate. I like that about him. Um, I cannot see how he goes back to the OHL. He's probably, pound for pound to me, the most underrated player in the draft. Um, Just because of, you know, people are putting him 10, 11, 12th overall. If he's available at 6, 7, I am so happy to to go and pick him. And if he's there at, God forbid, 8, 9, or 10, or whatever... Sign me up. I, 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 he's he's incredibly talented and with a lot of room to to get even better. Good at both ends of the ice, which is indicated by his goal rates and and everything. Um, so I think he's a guy who could be in the NHL next year as like a third line two way guy. You know, maybe even more than that if you know things go away. Uh, but I'm a big fan of his. And uh, beyond that, I don't know, like. Maybe like an Alex Holtz, a guy who you can sort of just transplant onto a team and say, hey, here's your job. You're going to play third line minutes or something to learn how to play, uh, you know, play an aggressive energy game and find open ice in the offensive zone so a guy can find you and then use that shot. Because that's kind of how his game is in Sweden. I think it's translatable. I don't know about ceiling, but I think that if you want a guy who can play on the power play, uh, second unit power play to start maybe, put him on the third line, give him a pretty simple role and just tell him to get comfortable uh, or help him get comfortable, then I could see that happen as well. Beyond that, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't think Cole Perfetti would get there. Askarov, no. Um, Stotzel, maybe. Maybe Stotzel as well, I think, could be in there. I, I just think Raymond has had a bit of a slow year and I think might need a bit more time to, to get his feet under him uh, in Sweden. Um, which is fine, uh, but I mean, maybe he goes to the AHL for a bit. I don't know. I I, I don't know. But but either way, I'm a fan. Uh, noticed you tracked Mietnin this year. Between him and Mayanpa, are their scoring totals legit? With Mietnin, yes. I mean, even though Mietnin is almost a 2018 eligible, last year his numbers in the under 20 level would have been extremely good. Uh, he's really doing a lot i'm a really big fan of him um uh, uh um vt mietinen yeah so i think vt mietinen is more legit i guess to answer your question than mayanpa the thing about mayanpa is he's he's small and plays small uh, guys like Marco Rossi don't really scare me. VT Mietinen also really doesn't scare me because they're so because they're a bit undersized because of the results that they get on the ice. They they play bigger than they are. They're really successful at things that that small players really should be successful at. Whereas Mayanpa has things that he's really really good at. He's he's an exceptionally gifted playmaker. Really quick shot on him. Really gifted skater. Like a truly gifted skater. Uh, really shifty. Um, but he gets rubbed off pucks way too easily. He doesn't make the best passing decisions a lot of the time, uh, but when it works, it works great. Uh, so you kind of will have to, if you're drafting him, you're going to live by the, live by the Mayan paw and die by the Mayan paw, I think. Um, and he's five foot seven and he, I think he could be a center. I think, 
Um, he covers open ice really, really well and skates really well. I just don't know. He would be a big boomer bust guy to me. With Miettinen, um, I find that he's a much more effective two-way player. Uh, I find that he's a much more aggressive energy guy uh, in terms of how good he can skate, how much he can get around the ice, how well he gets around the ice. His shot is great. Uh, really, really good shot on him. But also a really good playmaker as well. Like his, He has more goals than assists. But the game that I tracked of him, he was really good at moving pucks around, and they were playing the Tapero Junior team, which is a powerhouse. Um, and he he they they ran the show against them for stretches, and he did really well. So Mietnin's a guy who I think could be ranked even higher. I'm sketched out because he's older, um, barely eligible for this year's draft. I think he was born the same day as Dylan Holloway. Uh, so you know you're kind of looking for a lot out of him this year, and he's offered a lot. Um, I'm really curious to see how he does in various tournaments once he gets away, uh, let alone if he earns a promotion to a pro team this year, which maybe he could, Got other guys have as well. I think he's done enough to earn it, and he's certainly the best player on his team, I would say. So, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um... Thoughts on Luke Hughes. Is he actually the best skater of the three? Uh, is he actually the best skater of the three and as good as some are saying? Uh, or is it the classic case of people saying the youngest brother is best? Yeah, that's funny. It's funny that people say that. It's, uh, <laughs> um, I've only seen Luke Hughes a little bit, uh, but I am a certainly really big fan of his. Uh, Jack Hughes, I think, might have an edge on all on the on his brothers but like with him and Quinn I think could be viewed on the same sort of page maybe I would put him a bit ahead of Quinn but I didn't see a ton of Quinn at the same age as Luke and to be honest I haven't dug too much into 2021 I just haven't there's enough to watch for 2020 that I don't have the time I work full time and and doing this outside of work hours is tiring enough so 2021 is kind of out of the question but I do uh, what I have seen of him, I, I saw him play one USHL game um, with the under-17 under team or whatever, uh, the NTDP, I don't know. It's kind of confusing sometimes. Um, but he does look really, really good. He's one of the better players on a really, really strong US national team for next year. So uh, certainly a top guy for next year. I'll say that. Uh, relative to his brothers, from what I've seen... They're all different ages, so it's kind of hard. But from what I've seen, I'd wager that Jack Hughes is probably the best of the three, with Luke probably in the middle and Quinn not far behind. They're all really gifted hockey players, though, so don't take that, you know, any negative way. <laughs> it's it's a it's like picking between your favorite kids. It's like ah, if I have to, yeah. But yeah. uh, Keith, what's going on, Keith? The uh. <laughs> Keith, the wrestling analytics man. Hello. Looking at San Jose, what do you think they need to bolster their prospect pool? Any 2020 prospects that you have in mind? Uh, that's a good question. They draft a lot of everything, kind of, it seems. Um, it depend- They don't have a first-round pick this year, so it all depends on... Uh, Oh god, that's terrible. Oh. Um Oh my goodness.
like I'm thinking now they went with Kniazev as their first guy last year, which made me very happy. They took Merkley the year before. So if they're drafting defensemen, I think they value mobility. Caden Korzak kind of is a decently mobile player, but I wouldn't call him on the same level as those other two. So it seems like if they're drafting their early picks, they like mobility. Um, and if that's the case, like Yoni Yermo might be a guy that I would recommend if I'm working for San Jose, which I don't. Uh, William Wallander would be a really good, interesting pickup for them as well. Uh, I will go to bat for Wallander all day. You know, but they seem to really like mobility. Simontoval might be a guy if they don't want a, a, a forward if he's available in the second round. Um, Paterka maybe in the second round. Lucas Reichel could be a good pickup for them. Um, if they want a center, like a real center center, I mean, Ryan Francis plays center quite a bit. Um, he might be one. Robbie Arventi's a winger, but I think he's played center before. And I really, really like Robbie Yarventi. Uh Thomas Bordalo could be another one if you're looking in the second round. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. Uh, but that's a decent list, I guess you could say. Hey, Hendrix Lapierre might fall out of the first round and they might pick him up then. So who knows? <laughs> but uh, that's kind of the gist of where I would see them going. But at the same time, if they wanted to, um, at the same time, if they wanted to go a different direction, kind of like they did with Korzak and, and those kinds of guys, um, yeah, it it's hard because when I look at my rankings, I usually don't value physical players tremendously. It's just not something that I do a ton of. Um, it's a part of the game for sure, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't value the players that where that's their focal point a tremendous amount so i don't see them super high on this list guys like topi niemela could could be a good fit there as well if they wanted a more responsible two-way defenseman uh i really have liked him um but you know samuel knazko is another one who i think might be a good fit there uh and he's you know not he's not tiny so anyway um yeah there, there there's quite a few i i Whoever San Jose drafts, I think they I think they have a good brain operating that scouting team there. I think it's uh Doug Wilson Jr. doing that there, which is interesting. But yeah, he's done a good job, I think. Uh a guy I would like to work for. Because he is smart, it seems. Because he drafted Artemik Niazev, or at least they did, and I value that because I like him a lot. Um How about Arthur Aktyamov? Listen, Russian Junior League goaltending, I will not touch it. I do not know. Uh, I don't know. Some guys, it works out. Some guys, it doesn't. Uh, I can't say I've seen a ton of him play. I think he plays... He's not on the Red Army team, is he? I feel like he's on that team. Um, oh, Kazan, you mentioned it in the question. Ha ha ha. Uh, I haven't seen a ton of him. I can't, I can't project super well. I have no idea. Um, I have no idea. (laughs) My, my thing I always say to people is if, if I'm ever a general manager or running a scouting department, I'm going to hire two or three people who your job is goalies. 
I want one goalie. I will trade down in the draft, or at least I'll try to, and so that we can add an extra pick, and so you can draft whatever crazy high save percentage goaltender you want that you think is worth investing in, and we'll go from there, because I don't know, um, and I'll trust them on it. Uh, <laughs> so that's what I have to say about about that kind of goaltending. Unless it's Askarov. Askarov, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but beyond that, I have no idea. Um... Fat American. <laughs> Good one. I like that. I think I saw you subscribe to the channel. Welcome. What would you say Jacob Perot's ceiling is? I really like Jacob Perot. Um, Perron Reinhardt. Maybe Reinhardt, but I think there's more to him than that. Well, not... not. Sorry. I shouldn't say that. Uh, that, that, was, that was a loose cannon comment. I really like Jacob Perot. I think he's got a lot of potential... He's a good skater, really good up the neutral zone or up the neutral zone in the middle of the ice. Really, really good natural center, um, dangerous playmaker. Uh, you know, I think he just is a really, really good, well balanced player, uh, offensively at least. In his own end, yeah, there's some work that needs to be done, but I bet on his upside, and I think that there's a lot of upside there with him. Um, I imagine my data is broken. Yep, I'll have to look uh, look into this and why it's happening, but yeah. I'm a big fan of Jacob Perot. He's done a really, really good job uh, dealing with the situation that he's in, which is Sarnia is not great. Um, but his even strength production, he's doing what he can. You know, he's playing with line mates that are fine. Like Sam Bitten is, eh, eh. But anyway, it's it's interesting to see him play because I do enjoy watching him. He's a guy I want to watch more of for the rest of the year, uh, and I have him ranked pretty high. Uh, I don't know about comparables, though. But in terms of, like, a ceiling... Middle six, you know, good transition center. I mean, maybe like, I again, I watch a lot of Toronto because that's where I live and that's what's on TV a lot of the time. Uh, and kind of reminds me of like an Alex Kerfoot type player, you know, not super big, but he skates pretty well, gets up the ice pretty well, can chip in offensively pretty well. I think there's more with Perot in terms of offensive potential, but that kind of is the first name that I'm familiar with that strikes me as the kind of player that kind of matches that that profile a little bit, which is not a bad thing, you know, and Kerfoot's a good, you know, second-line winger slash third-line center type guy that can do his thing. Um, so that's kind of where I see that. In terms of Sam Reinhardt and David Perron, that's a big – those are big shoes to fill, and I'm not usually a fan of putting kids that might be drafted late first round in really big shoes – uh, I'd rather put them in small shoes and let them outgrow it. Uh, if the draft was today, do you think Simone Tavall would be a first rounder? To me, he would be. If you're if you're a gambling man and would like to gamble on a potential, then yes, he would be a first rounder. He would make a fantastic second rounder. Um, but I think first round is not out of the question. Uh, I think he might be a bit of a long term guy. You know, give him two years or so in Finland to sort of work his way up and, and earn some trust with Tapara and their men's team and all that. Um, I, again, like I said before, I think he's underperforming his, his potential right now. I think he's underperforming his numbers offensively right now. He should be based on what I've tracked and seen running the league over there. And, uh, you know, I, 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 he's impressive. He's an impressive player. Um, But so, yes, first-round pick, I could see it. I have him ranked in my first round, um, and I have a hard time knocking him out of it right now, but maybe that'll change the more I watch. 
What top world junior championship team is the most likely to choke? Ooh. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, let's take a look. Well, I find that in this tournament, what kills you are penalties and goaltending. Uh, a lot of the time. Penalties and goaltending. And who has the strongest goaltending? The USA, I would say. Russia, for sure. Finland, if Justus Ananen is real. If he's a real thing, then that's scary. Uh, maybe Sweden has good goaltending. Yeah, maybe. Um, the Czech Republic should have good goaltending, but I don't think they're, like, choke-worthy. Like, of Canada, USA, Russia, Finland, Sweden, my gut says Sweden, but I know that now that I've said that, they're gonna win the gold medal. Um, but my hunch is Sweden early. I look at their team, and... Last year, their problem was they couldn't really score a ton. And I look at their team this year, and I go, okay, you've got a great defense group. Lundqvist, Sandin, if those guys show up. Uh, Boakvist, uh, Norlander, Broberg, Bjornfaut. Uh, there's a lot of really good players there. Ginning, eh, he'll probably be there because he's the token giant guy that's there. But um, that's a good group of defensemen to bring. Uh, actually, I think all these guys will be there since they named their team without a camp. And then I look at their offensive players. Albin Eriksson, he's an all-out offensive player that has some serious defensive holes. Carl Henriksson, I don't know what he's going to... I don't know how effective he's going to be yet at, at this level. I mean, when he's playing with Lucas Raymond uh, and... and um, Oh, who's the other guy? Uh, Alex Holtz then sure, I, I could see it. Maybe that that counts. Hoaglander, Berggren, yeah, I mean, maybe they pull it off, but Fogamo is there as well. But I'm still not sure. I'm not 100% sure. Finland, I think Finland's going to have a good team, pretty deep team as well. Um, and if Eustace Ananen can keep it together, then go nuts. The thing that's scares me about every single Canadian team every single year is that they play like Canadians, which is they'll hit everything that moves and take every penalty. And the IIHF has been outward about calling more penalties. They have been very, very clear that things like hits to the head and, and, and other questionable other calls that in the national hockey league might be some referees would call it and some wouldn't kind of goes out the window with the international game. They kind of just sit there and go, nope, that's a penalty. You're going to the box. And Canada doesn't play well with referees that call the game that way. Uh, they can get sent to the box a little bit too much. Um, if they're trying too many stretch passes, they can ice a lot of pucks. Uh, their goaltending doesn't exactly fill me with, you know, exhilaration like some of the other teams, like the USA or Russia. You know, I go, okay... You've got Olivier Rodrigue. Uh, yeah. Nicholas Dawes has been good, really, really good this year. But I is that I don't know. And Joel Hoffer and Hunter Jones are good goaltenders. But, you know, it, Canada should be the team that, that is in the gold medal game, I think, when you look at their roster. Um, but if you're taking penalties and your goaltending isn't as good, all it needs to be is not as good. 
last year, um, you know, you can't really fault Mike DiPietro, but at the end of the day, whoops, at the end of the day, it wasn't as good. And, and it's kind of unfortunate, but I, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm not saying Canada is the team that's going to be choking. Uh, I would say if I had to pick one, I would say the Swedes. Um, but again, that's like picking your, picking your least favorite child. You know, I want all of these teams to win the gold medal. Cause this is my favorite hockey to watch in the whole year. Uh, but that's not going to be how it goes. Um, Oop, oop, oop. Okay. Xenome Project is here. Hello. All the way from Carolina. Jesse Barre. Bar, bar, bar? Barre? I don't want to mispronounce your name like I did Michel Furland. Furland. That's all for all you Vancouver fans. Uh, do you consider Ovechkin the greatest goal scorer of all time? Yeah. I mean, he's the best goal scorer in the game when the game is probably the hardest it's been like the players are the best they've ever been. And he is the best goal scorer in the game, uh, by quite a margin, I would say. Um, I don't, I can't think of a goal scorer, at least in my lifetime that I remember watching, uh, being as lethal. Pavel Bure was up there. I, one of my favorite players growing up was Pavel Bure. Um, Mario Lemieux was a filthy goal scorer. But Alex Ovechkin, there's just... Uh, there's just something about him that I just love. And well, he scores a lot of goals. That's what it is. He scores goals. I'm a, I am think he probably is the greatest goal scorer of all time. I, I think that that's the case. Especially with how much he's been through in his career. Uh both narratively and on the ice. I I have a lot of respect for Alex Ovechkin, for sure. Uh, what do you project Byfield to be in his prime? How many points is he capable of? Well, the, the name that I keep referring to about Quentin Byfield when I watch him is Evgeny Malkin. He just reminds me of him a lot. He's hard to stop when he has the puck. He moves around the ice really, really well. Um, just a really effective playmaker with a great shot as well. You know, is he an 80 point player in the national hockey league? I probably like, he just can take over a game and I don't know. It might take him a bit of time to get there. I think there's some things in his own end that I wish wouldn't be the case. Um, but you know, he's certainly when the puck is going his way offensively, he's ridiculous. And I'm pretty sure that he's going to translate that over to the national hockey league relatively quickly uh i don't know about projecting point totals though because a lot of things hinge on that and i don't want to get into that so avs seem like the overwhelming favorites for taylor hall says carolina boy i'm sure the canes really wanted him but no way in hell he was being traded in the same division potentially uh the Avs are overwhelming favorites. Someone mentioned earlier that the Arizona Coyotes are pushing for him. Um, I don't know. If Ray Shiro looks at the Carolina Hurricanes and all the prospects and all the draft picks they have and doesn't want to deal Taylor Hall there, knowing that Taylor Hall's agent probably doesn't want to ex- to, to extend him before the end of the season, uh, that's his problem. That kind of shoots yourself in the foot because your team's probably not going to be playing against them in the playoffs. And even if they do, I say this all the time, 
about trading within your own division or people who are apprehensive about it. You play the team in your division, what? I think it's four times in a season now. It used to be six, but now it's four times. And you are a rebuilding team. Uh, so you're not really expecting to be a, a playoff contender right away. So you're concerned in all likelihood about four games against the player if he extends next year. The year after that, Maybe you're a playoff pushing team and you play him another four times and then you have a playoff series against him. And even if you play in a playoff series against him, he's going to play, what, 20 minutes a night? Uh, So that's still 40 minutes of a seven-game series where he's not on the ice. Like, if you're that terrified of playing him, uh, I think you're just misreading how much of an impact that player is going to have based on how often you play him, especially with what you could get for him. You know, if Carolina were willing to part with any of the plethora of prospects they have in their cupboard, you know, Ryan Suzuki plus 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 for the New Jersey Devils, by the time you're playing in a playoff series in the future against Carolina and Taylor Hall is on that team, if he extends, you've got the players you traded for him and if you've done your homework, they're on the team too. Carolina has to play those guys too. And Carolina will have to play those guys much longer than they'll have to play Taylor Hall. So it kind of, over time, will equal out. So if Ray Shiro's looking at the situation and going, yeah, I'm not going to touch a really, really good prospect base because I don't want to play him four times next year, maybe once by the end of the year this year, I don't know. That's a tough, tough math decision that I would not make. Um, But Colorado is a team that will also be able to afford that price as well. And... If Ray Shiro can get what he wants out of them, then so be it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I feel about that. It kind of blows me away when I hear of general managers unwilling, especially general managers going into a rebuild, uh, talk about, oh, we don't want to play the guy in our own division. Yeah, anyway. Uh, and who's to say you trade Taylor Hall to Colorado, he goes to the end of the year with them, he walks, and then he signs in Carolina anyway next year. Then you, you know, that's what happened with Mike Hoffman. Uh, it just means that I think you're worried about losing the trade. And if you're a general manager who's afraid of losing a trade that involves acquiring young players, uh, then, then what are you, then what are you good for? That's harsh, but you kind of get what I'm getting at. Uh, what do you think of defensemen like Edvinson, Power, and Hughes for the 2021 draft? I love Hughes as we've been over. Uh, I haven't seen Edvinson play, uh, Power is very good. I've seen him play a couple of games with Chicago this year. He is playing for Chicago. Is it Chicago or Waterloo? They're very similar looking jerseys, and I don't, I can never keep them sorted. Uh, but I do like Owen Power. I thought he looked really, really good. Corson Coolmans is another defenseman last for next year who's who who should go really high, and he's looked good at the World Junior A. Uh, a little bit hard to read right now, but he's young, so forgivable. Uh, Zeno Project again, just firing him off, eh? Good for you. Uh, the Canes are rumored to be one of the teams looking at Galchenyuk along with Buffalo, which is interesting. Galchenyuk and Buffalo doesn't sound right to me. I don't know if he's the fit there. I don't It just seems like Galchenyuk needs to reboot. I don't know. They gave him a reboot in Arizona, but it's not working. Or are not or in Pittsburgh and it doesn't seem to be working. I don't know. Uh yeah. That's a tough one. Um 
but the Canes are interesting because you could play him second, third line in center or wing and just kind of see what happens. I mean, he has scored 30 goals before. Uh, I don't know what's happening with him, though. His career has been really up and down, uh, mostly down lately, but I don't know. If you can get him cheap from Jim Rutherford, then by all means, give him a rip because worst case scenario, you write out his contract and let him go. And I don't think he's extremely expensive, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't have the numbers in front of me. <clears throat> Rangers fan. Hello, Drew. You're right about Kako. Dang right I am. But I want to talk about the U.S. World Junior Team. What do you think their weak point is, if they have any, and what would be a fix? Well, right now there isn't much of a fix, because the team's been named. Um... Weird. House sounds. Uh, but if I look at their team, I honestly don't know where the holes are. Their defense group is really good. Uh, York, Harris, Jones, uh, Miller, Johnson, Matty Samuelson will be back for whatever he's going to do. Spencer Stasny's there. Um, I don't know how much talent they really left at home that I would have brought myself. Uh... So, yeah. But I do really, really like the U.S. team. Their their offense is going to be just disgusting. Um, and they're pretty young, too. Their their average age right now is under 19. Which, if I'm not mistaken... Uh, oh, no. They're right, in, they're right in line. Never mind. Don't listen to me. Russia's team is pretty old. Um, but, but, anyway. Uh, weird. That's not there. I'm going to have to add that. Forgive me. This is still a work in progress. But feel free to judge me. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think their team looks really, really good. I, I There might have been some names that you could have brought um, otherwise, but I think they're going to have just enough talent to win this thing. Um, goaltending looks great. Their top six looks fantastic. Uh, you know, their forwards and defense both look great. I, I'm trying to think as well while we're talking uh, about this uh who i might have brought instead can't really can't really remember any off the top of my head but i am going to pull up a list of ncaa players because i know i saw a question as well about ncaa free agents um let me pull it up here ncaa there it is uh yeah um who would i have brought i'm glad regula got a look um David Ference was a guy I probably would have called. I really would have liked to see David Ference. Oh, no, he's not eligible anymore. He's too old. Um, actually, yeah, let's do this. So none of those, none of those, none of those, and none of those. Filtering out all the old draft-eligible players. Um, maybe Owen Lindmark could have gotten a look. He kind of earned it. Uh... But yeah, I, I, I'm looking at this list and I'm not really seeing any, at least in the NCAA, not seeing a tremendous amount of players that I think got, like, snubbed. I'm really, really happy to see Robert Mastro-Simone get there. Uh, so that that's good for him. I, I've I've liked that as well. Or I've liked him as well since he's since he's been there. Um, but, but they brought a really, really good team. You know, Parker Ford earned himself a look. I'm blown away with how good he's been this year. Um... And I'm a I'm a fan of his now. I mean, I liked him last year with Sioux Fall or Sioux City, but I didn't 
really think that he was going to be this good. Uh, maybe that's because Providence is really, really good. I don't know, but we'll see at the tournament if he makes the team that, you know, we'll see what he can do. Um, and of course they have Bobby Brink, so go me. Well, not me, but go Bobby. Way to go, Bobby. Um, according to Friedman on 31 Thoughts. Oh, it jumped. Uh, Canes were the main team in pursuit of Julius Honka. Maybe that's why Dallas didn't want to trade him. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's up with Julius Honka. I mean, I, he clearly doesn't want to play in Dallas, and frankly, I don't blame him. Um, but if Dallas didn't like the deal they got, they'll probably just move him at the draft or something for picks. I don't know. Uh, sorry for another Rangers question. Oh, that's fine. I don't, I don't care. Uh, but between Keandre Miller and Nils Lundqvist, who has higher upside? That's a good question. Uh, based on what I've seen with my eyeballs... Uh, I might give that edge to Nils Lundqvist. Like, I think in terms of hitting what their ceiling could be, I think Nils Lundqvist is more likely to get there. Um, but Keandre Miller is not a slouch in any way. Uh, I, I like him a lot. <sighs> Sorry, I'm very sore from last night. There was a lot of, a lot of skating and I'm sore. First skate of the year if you missed it. Uh, Keandre Miller and, and Niels Lundqvist. Yeah, I really like both, but I would probably give the edge to, to Lundqvist. But I think in terms of flashiness and getting the fans in their seats and guys you could put on the face of a ticket, Miller might be the guy that, that, that might be a bit more ahead of Lundqvist there. But in terms of hockey people who really like watching hockey players, Nils Lundqvist might be a really special two-way guy in the NHL for quite a while. Do you think fighting and hitting will ever be banned from the NHL? Who boy. What's your opinion? Well, uh, I don't, I don't think players should be fighting. I think the culture around making fighting a th part of the game is kind of outdated and unnecessary. It just seems very childish to me. Like, they play it up as if it's manly to fight, but I find often it's very much the opposite. Um, hitting, I think hitting has a place in the game. Players need to know how to take a hit and how to throw a hit properly. Um, players, you know, and I understand that that comes with inherent risks, uh, and I do think that you do need to be much more vigilant about stuff like hits to the head. I think... There needs to be black and white rules, right? With hitting, if there is head contact, it doesn't matter if it's incidental or not, there needs to be a penalty. I'm amazed that we just haven't done away with the argument of, oh, did they make, was the head the principal point of contact? Was it the follow through? The, no, if your body in a hit hits another, makes contact with another player's head, then you're going to the box. And I don't think NHL players would be the types of people who would put their heads in a position where they're going to risk, you know, their own health long term just so the other team might be able to draw a penalty or just so they could maybe draw a penalty. Um, I, I just think the game is too fast for them to even process doing something like that in the middle of a hit. Uh, but I do think that, that, you know, there needs to be a bit more of a black and white rule in terms of like there was contact to the head. The IIHF does it and the league or the game over there has not fallen to pieces um, fighting is more complicated. I think fighting is a, is a, is a, is a cultural thing. I think the penalties for fighting need to be strict, like much more strict. Uh, the OHL has done a good job of doing it. It's just not 
part of the game to me. It should not be a thing that we value as part of the game. It's unnecessary. There's a reason that it's a five-minute major penalty, but for some reason we're okay when guys go out and do it. Um, retribution is something that, you know, the, the, the only way to me that you logically get retribution in the game of hockey is by scoring goals. And, you know, maybe you go out there and try to send a message when someone takes a run at your guy. Um, when you, when some guys take a run at your players, if someone's out there taking runs at your players, then yeah, then sure. Go out there and try to hit the crap out of the guy. If you, if you challenge him to a fight and you fight him, sure. If you think you're going to drop him, fine. If you want to go out and do that, go nuts. But I think that the penalties for doing so for both players involved should be, should be stricter. I think there should be some sort of level of, if you fight X amount of times, then the penalties get worse. Cause I don't think we should be encouraging that. I don't think we should be, you know, putting little kids in an arena and 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 turning guys who punch other people in the head into heroes because one way or the other that gives them the mentality that somehow fighting is you know a part of life or that it's a part of of this game that and, and it makes them want to play it because oh, i want to get into fights not saying that that happens but i'm just saying uh i just think that culturally it's something that should be an absolute 100 percent last resort and i think a lot of people still see it as a part of the game when it and i and i'm thinking about it purely from a tactical standpoint really like it's just not there's no point to it it stops the game i'll never forget i'll tell you this story really quick and then i'll move on to the next question but i I will never forget uh going to a leafs rookie tournament game here in toronto uh keaton middleton was playing six foot eight guy could barely skate um could barely move the puck uh barely put up any points in his junior career ends up with San Jose's junior or uh, minor league team. The Toronto Maple Leafs have the puck in the offensive zone and they're cycling it. He's not even in the offensive zone. He's slashing a guy at center ice multiple times trying to challenge him to a fight while the puck is being cycled in the offensive zone. They drop the gloves. He takes two punches to the face. He gets concussed and never plays a game in the preseason or the rest of the rookie tournament. I watched that and I went, if I'm a coach and I see that, I don't even want that guy on my team. We had the puck in the offensive zone. He was not playing his role at the point. He was in the neutral zone, gets himself in a fight, gets himself concussed. And this is a guy that we drafted thinking that this was going to be an NHL player one day. And it was like a year and a half after he was drafted. And it just stuff like that. I think it completely kills the game. And I think that hockey is about scoring goals. And if you want retribution, you want to fire up your team play with speed, play hard. You can hit guys, but you got to score goals. That's how you kind of do it. That's kind of sending a message to the other team that like, you know what? We're not going to, you guys can hit us all you want and go to the penalty box all you want, but we'll fill the net because that's going to win you games. Um, but in terms of banning, you use the word banning. I don't think that'll happen. I, I don't think that needs to happen. Like fighting is way down in the national hockey league as it is. I think that's a good thing. Um, I don't think hitting is way down. I think hits are fine. I find that this year has been a bit better in terms of pushing the envelope style hits. I think players are playing a little bit with more speed as opposed to physicality. Uh, obviously it's still very physical, but in terms of banning both of those things, I don't see that as either necessary or likely, um, stiffer penalties for stuff like fighting. Sure. But yeah, uh, (laughs) goalies in the draft. If you like them, you like them. Yes, that's true. Have you heard of Josh Grohl? I've heard of Josh Groban. Uh, he's an overager and above a point per game. 
Not heard of him, but uh, I'll take a look. Uh, Tyler Robinson, Rob Burtson asks, do you think Kaprizov comes over to play for the Wild next year? I don't think so. Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think he's under contract for another year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know. I, I can't imagine he doesn't come over. And again, Gusev came over and he's been, eh. I still feel like he's kind of batting below what he's capable of in the NHL because I've seen him play a lot and it doesn't really seem like it's similar to Kako. You, he comes over to North America and you go, I don't, what is this? This isn't the same player. Uh, Kaprizov is certainly an extremely talented Russian player. Um, probably making boatloads of money to not leave Russia, uh, playing for a really, really good team. And the last thing I heard was discussions have been positive, but I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I can't pretend like I know. (laughs) <laughs> what Kirill Kaprizov's thinking. But from what I've heard from Minnesota, I don't think they're expecting him to come over right away, and I don't know why he would. You know, do you want to come over and play for a you don't do you want to come over and play for an old, slow Minnesota Wild team with some level of internal turmoil that is very public and kind of weird, even though they've kind of moved past it, that still carries a bit of water. Um, or do you want to stay for a very well funded, very high level uh Russian team and win Gagarin Cups. I don't know. Maybe Minnesota trades him to a team that 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 he wants to play for, like Gusev, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm probably the first person to pronounce Jesse Barre Barre, I guess, uh in your name in the first attempt. Thank you. Well, I'm from Canada. I see names like yours quite often. Uh well not often, but we have a lot of French here. If that's your heritage, I don't know. Doesn't really matter. Um Anyway, you followed it up. I never got the trading within your division argument. I feel if you won the trade when... The, yeah, exactly. Like, I I agree fully. Um, a trade is just a trade. Like, if you're, if you're doing your job, if you're doing your job, you're getting, a pl- you're getting a package back for a player like Taylor Hall, and if you do your job well, that package is going to be a package that the other team is going to have to play just the same amount, if not more. So I don't know why you're so concerned about making a deal with own your, within your own division when your trading partner, like it just implies to me that you're afraid of dealing, you're afraid of failure. And when you're dealing with Taylor Hall and trading him and all this stuff, he's a Hart Trophy winning player. And if the Carolina Hurricanes are offering you, say, you know, uh, the Leafs un- the Leafs pick this year, Ryan Suzuki uh, and Tuka Tiexala and, you know, Anthony Honka or something, and you say no to that, Sorry, like I don't know. I don't know what your what your goal is. I don't know what you want if if you're so terrified of playing you know if you're so terrified of playing Taylor Hall however many times it's gonna be over the next few years. Anyway. Uh who's a college free agent the team should be looking at? Well, people are gonna be looking at Parker Ford probably a lot, the World Juniors, because he's there. Um But let me filter this so clear and do I don't know. Um, NCAA, there's a couple, but I don't know early, this early in the year, there's, there's, I'm not sure yet, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, you just filter out these guys, call this, Matthew Brown is a guy I would look at, I don't think he's gonna, 
Um, I don't think he's going to come over this year from what I've read, but he's a guy I certainly would look at. I'm surprised he went undrafted last year. He should have been on my list for undrafted players this year. That's the one name I regret. I am absolutely not surprised he's doing as well as he's done. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, Roman, Roman, Asan, Ashan, I don't know. He plays for Wisconsin. I've always really liked how he's played whenever I watch Wisconsin. I've tracked some Dylan Holloway. Um, and that's just a fun team to watch. And he's really stood out. So he might be another one. Um, Patrick Kotorenko might be another one as well, but I don't know what his upside is. Um, but those, I, I, if I had to pick two right off the bat that I certainly would look at, um, I would look at a con and, um, Matt Brown for sure. And from there, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked a ton at the potential free agents for the NCAA really. Um, all right, I got to bang through these. I'm starting, my head's starting to hurt. Uh, Galchenyuk should go to Ottawa. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, he's expected, expensive cap-wise, but, oh, okay, so we're talking about um, Jordan, or uh, Jim Rutherford. For uh, Galchenyuk, he wants to, he could retain on Galchenyuk, but, yeah. Um, What are your thoughts on Bruins prospects? Well, uh, on paper, they're not great. Uh, I really like John Beecher. Uh, I will say that. Uh, on paper, I like John Beecher. Um, there's a few of them that I do like. Matias Matikivi has been decent in the Finnish Liga. Um, oh, come on, load. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, not a ton. Um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head while this stupid thing loads. Uh, can't pull it up. Oh, here it is. Nope, there it is. So if I look at Boston, who do they got? Who do got? Who do they got? It's so slow. It's just so slow. Um, I'll come back to it while this goes. I heard Gruden only made the USA team because of his daddy, and he's terrible. Well, he's not terrible, but it was an interesting call, I'd say. I believe he was there last year, so he's a returnee. That's kind of a shoe-in. Thoughts on Scott Perunovic? Big fan. Always really liked him. Uh, kind of reminds... Matt Benning kind of reminds me of him, uh, if if you're a Matt Benning fan. Um, okay, yeah. Jack Studnika for Boston. Pretty good. Having a really good rookie year in the AHL. He was really good last year for Boston as well, so that's that's positive. Cedric Paré plays with Alexi Lafreniere, but I've really liked him as well. He's an overager, but maybe a long-term project. Um, really like Curtis Hall. Um, Vakanainen could be a good role player. And beyond that, there's not a ton. Roman Bichkov for uh, Yaroslavl has been good. Um, I don't know what his upside is. He's a bit of a low, low probability player, but I like him for what he is. Um, but beyond that, yeah, there's not a tremendous amount that, that I would really jump for joy about. Um, Axel Anderson, maybe, but I'm not sure. Uh, but definitely Beecher, Hall, Studnika, you know, even Paré, Vakanainen. Like, those are your guys, and they've been pretty good. Victor Berglund seems to be having a pretty decent se- season. Uh, Jakob Lauko, I liked last year with, with Ruin Naranda. Um, but, yeah, they're like on the lower end, I would say, of teams that, you know, and their prospects. But anyway, uh, but that that's not a – things can change quickly. Would you bet money on McDavid and or Dreisaitl beating Kucherov's? Probably. I would probably bet that they'll 
hit at least 120. Beating 128, well, I mean, they are playing a lot. And are they going to sustain that all season long? I think they could do it just by virtue of them playing a lot, and they're very, very good. They could hit 130. I don't think that's too crazy. I mean, that would imply... That would imply, just looking at Connor McDavid's statistics, so he has 55 points in 33 games. So that means he'd need uh, 75 points in the next, let's call it 50 games. So 75 points in 50 games, that's a lot, but let's see. At this rate, 33 times 82... He's on pace for 136 points. So he has some room to kind of slow down for a bit here and there. Uh, Maybe. I think it's doable. But it's tough. Especially when him and Dreisaitl are the only ones really driving the bus. And Tampa had so many offensive weapons last year. But I think it's possible. Uh, A great deal of concussions aren't from head contact. That is true. But being more black and white about head contact would, over time certainly help that's really all i'm saying uh but i agree there are a lot of concussions that happen from it's all it is it's your head moving that's really all it is so whether your head is being contacted or not or your chest moving your head then whatever but at the end of the day head contact is a major part of it and it's something that you can identify and say that's something we don't want um that's really it uh, crazy how many pieces hits a guy's head and it's an instant penalty, but the, someone's shoulder does it and it depends on intent. Yeah, well, that's true. High sticking is a penalty. I don't know why hitting with the head, hitting a head is, uh, or why any head contact isn't. Anyway, is Michael Benning capable of being a first round pick? I don't think so. Personally, I know some people do have him there, but I don't think so. If you have to pick one, what's more important, offense or defense? Nah. Offense, I would say, but you need to, like, the way I see it is this. You need to be competent defensively to be good offensively. But if you're competent offensively and good defensively, it's harder to win games, in my opinion. I don't, that's just kind of how I feel. Scoring goals, I find, kind of can be harder than preventing them, from what I have seen. You can play good defensive systems that push shots to the outside but you collapse in when play gets in tight and put a lot of bodies in the way and all that stuff and push guys out into the boards and all that you don't have to have the puck to do that when you have the puck you have a lot more responsibility with it and it's a lot easier it's a lot easier to lose the puck uh you know i find and if you can play well offensively and competently defensively that gives you a lot less to worry about than you can't play with the puck but away from the puck, you're really, really good. That's kind of my hunch. Um, I can see how people might make the argument for the other way around, but I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think it's you have to give the you have to put the players in the role to succeed in that system. And my belief is that I would rather put a lot of offensively productive players and then work out the kinks defensively than put out a lot of guys who can't really score and work out the kinks from there. I just find that that's a steeper hill to climb. What are your thoughts on Adam Willsby? I know he's putting up great numbers. I've seen a lot of him play this year. Not a lot, but like enough. I don't know. Maybe someone takes a swing on him late. I don't think his skating is particularly great. 
The Allsvenskan is a pretty slow league from what I've seen, and you can get away with a lot down there. Um, and I don't think he's a guy who pushes pushes pace quite a lot, but I do like the production, and you know he certainly can move a puck really, really well. I just don't know. Um, I don't think he's got. I don't think he's like a two times overage guy who's like a steal. The only one that I would really two time overage guy that I would really put a lot of faith in, other than maybe Igor Sokolov, is Ben Baumgartner, who's currently destroying the World Junior One A tournament and a really good player in the Swiss in the Swiss A League. Look him up uh, and tell everyone that your boy sent you because he's really talented. All of a sudden, I don't know how, but he got a lot better since last year, and he is gross. Uh, and he's running the train in that tournament. Uh, I got to barrel through these. My voice is starting to go. Lucas Reichel is doing pretty good in the DEL. Well, that's music to my ears. In uh, in your opinion, which round does he go? If it's me, he's a first-round pick. I'm a really big fan of Lucas Reichel. His production at even strength is astoundingly good. His line mates aren't great. His team is fine. He pushes possession really well. He's a really great skater. He passes the puck extremely well, especially in the offensive zone. He's got a good set of offensive instincts, and his shot is really good. I really, really like Lucas Reichel for sure. Sorry for so many questions. Nah, man, it's all good. Uh, Jesse, what's your opinion of the hockey guy, and are there any other hockey YouTubers that you watch? Yeah, I watch a lot of hockey YouTubers. Not a ton of them. Uh, I don't... It's... it's it, I don't know. I don't watch a ton of them. I used to watch a lot more of the hockey guy, but uh, he puts out a lot of content. Um, and I respect what he does, for sure. He's out there grinding like 100,000 subscribers. Really good for him. Like, really, really great. Love the amount of work that he's putting in um, and and just the knowledge that he has. I He's putting his thoughts out there uh, and he's also relatively well you know, reasoned in his arguments. He He's not a misinformed person. He's not a reactionary. He doesn't go out looking for clicks. He's. He, I find the hockey guys really good for, I sometimes when I'm at work, if I'm doing some manual task that just, you know, whatever, I'll put him on in the background just where he's talking about stuff and I'll just listen. You know, it's not, you know, I don't go to him for hockey analysis to, you know, push the game positively, but I, I watch him because he's entertaining and really just a good baseline. You know, if, if there's a fan out there who's kind of unfamiliar with the league itself and the politics and all that stuff, he's a pretty good gauge on just the baseline. And I like that about him. I respect that a lot. And he puts out a lot of videos. I, I, I like that a lot about him. Um, you know, he's not perfect. Nobody is. Uh, and I, I mean, I watch a lot of YouTube. I see a lot of YouTube channels. His is certainly unique to my perspective. Um, you know, I watch like a, I've, I've been a subscriber of say Steve Dangle since the first year he did LFRs. I think the first video I found of his was leave Brian McCabe alone, which I think was his third or fourth video. So I'm a long time listener of his. I've got, you know, as, as divisive as he can be, especially even, even to me, he's, he's got a fan uh, forever. In, in me and and Adam Wilde mispronounced this channel's name live in front of hundreds of people at a movie theater a couple of weeks ago so that was fun um other hockey youtubers that I watch Gio Palermo is really good I don't know if he's watching but uh I really really like his YouTube channel he's like 
I say this all the time, but he's a future commentator somewhere. I don't know where, um, but he has the voice and the personality and I really, really like that guy. He's like a kid, uh, but I think he's going to go places if he wants to. Um, I'm a really big fan of his certainly. Um, but outside of that, I don't watch a ton of hockey YouTubers. I don't, I don't think off the top of my head, but those guys are certainly ones that I, I keep tabs on. Uh, what is the trade value for Honka or Pulio Yarvi? Right now, nothing because they can't play. Uh, it'll probably be draft picks. And I don't know what else, like Edmonton wanted a player because they were in a season. They didn't want to move him for a draft pick when they could use a player. Now they didn't. Maybe it's a draft pick in June, but I right now, nothing. Uh, since they can't play. I feel, okay, Xeno Project again. Okay, I really got to finish this up here. Uh, I feel like, as far as Galch is concerned, you can't take a guy who has once scored 30 goals in the league lightly. Yeah, maybe. I mean, sometimes someone just has a hot year. Sergei Samsonov won a Calder. Who's Sergei Samsonov? Uh, it happens. Peter Bondra was amazing for a couple of years. Then what? I don't know. Um, but I, I agree. Like, I don't think his career is over. Uh, he might be a guy who's a reclamation project after this year. Maybe he has a really hot stretch as he goes into the, into the playoffs, whatever. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, and your last comment about him playing center as a preference. Um, I can see why coaches might be hesitant like I said, the, the, to the question that Jesse asked earlier, like what's more important, offense or defense? I watch a lot of hockey, and what drives me nuts are guys who play center who don't play the 200-foot sheet of ice. Uh, there are a lot of centers out there who will play fine defensive hockey. They'll cover their zone. They'll play against the boards if need be. Um, but if the play isn't, you know, they won't push the play. It's why I love a guy like Marat Kuznodinov so much. He's involved in play literally anywhere on the ice. He's he's sneakily stealing pucks away from guys, turning pucks around up the ice, moving the puck really, really efficiently. Um, and I find that Galchenyuk doesn't quite do that as well as I think a coach might want him to. I think he's a little bit too passive in his own end. Um, he's really focused on offense. Uh, and I think that for a center to be really focused on offense, you can get away with it, but you need to you need to bring it in all areas of the ice if a coach is going to put you out on the ice to 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 be in that role so i can see that argument and yes and again it's it's part of the reason why sometimes production doesn't tell the whole story um so i don't know um i i, I don't know it maybe he needs to rethink his thinking if he's still thinking he wants to be a center um, because I think he could be a good offensive winger. You know, a lot of guys have, have moved from the center to the wing and just to focus on offense and it's worked. Um, but that time, time, time will tell. Uh, yes. And I'm glad you're, you're a, Ry a Reichel fan too, Mr. Xenome. Uh, and I did see your comment about Samsonov being a very good cane. Okay, cool. He was a good cane. I still don't see a ton of memories about him as a national hockey league player, even though he's won a Calder trophy, which usually is a good indicator of someone who's got a good career ahead of them. Um, but sometimes guys are good for a little while and then either other teams figure them out or they just kind of stagnate and 
fizzle out. And keep in mind too, like peak ages for forwards especially are usually like before they're 24 or 25. So, you know, you kind of know what you've got when the guy's 22 or 23, generally. Um, last year was the USA's first round. Which country runs the first round this year? At the World Juniors? Uh, I don't know. I really like the Russian team. Boy, that team is good. Uh, the good looking, I would say. The, the US team is pretty good as well. Canada will take them as far as their brains will take them. I think that that team is extremely talented. Um, but if they can work together as a unit and stay out of the box, they could be a really good team as well. Uh, seems like you have a lot of Ranger fan subscribers. Well, I do now. Uh, what do you think they should do about the goaltending situation with Georgiev, Shesterkin, and Lundqvist? Well, I'm never a fan of rushing players, and it really feels like Georgiev is a guy who's kind of a good player. Uh... Oh man, it's tough because Lundqvist has another year on his contract. I don't really see a reason why you would bench him. Um, you can't really run with three goaltenders. And Shesterkin, how old is he? Uh, he's not that old, is he? He is... Oh, he's 23. So he's 23, turning 24, and he has been pretty excellent in the AHL. Um... So if you look at Georgiev, though, he's a similar age. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think that the best thing you could do if you are the New York Rangers is probably tell Shestyorkin, like, here's the plan. You know, you're going to be an AHL goaltender for a full year. We want you just to play North American hockey for a year, and then we'll reevaluate after the year and you can let Georgiev stay you can let Lundqvist stay Lundqvist is not going anywhere unless someone wants a 50% salary retained goaltender for next year but I don't see a reason why he would leave I think he wants to stay there Georgiev I would start taking phone calls and see what people are willing to offer and if someone really like the Toronto Maple Leafs should probably be bursting down the door for a guy like Georgiev if the Rangers want to get rid of him like, if the Rangers want to pick up a forward from the Leafs that the Leafs just are willing to give away, someone like a, you know, I don't know, uh, take your pick of their bottom six offensive players, like an Andreas Janssen. Like, if Andreas Janssen is available and you can move him for, say, George Evan a pick, like a late pick, it it lowers the Leafs' cap number, the, the Leafs get their backup goalie, you know, the Rangers add more offensive firepower, which is something that I think they need, and he's a good player. Um, I don't know. That's the first thing that popped into my head because the Leafs are a team that I think are pretty desperate for backup goaltending, and if they lose Andreas Janssen, who has been kind of in and out, both in the lineup and kind of as a player, you have guys like Moore coming back. Uh, Engvall's been very, very good. Um, you know, you have pieces that can kind of you know, take away from that. Like if maybe if the Rangers want to cast Barry Kapanen, um, that could be a thing as well. But I don't know. At the end of the day, I think that you kind of have to start thinking about taking phone calls on, on George Evan. If you get the right deal, then maybe you move Shestyorkin up. But at the same time, you know, if you don't get the deal that you like, then you don't need to make a move right now. And I think Shestyorkin should be happy with one year in the, in, in the AHL. 
Uh, it might not be the best situation, but he's not old. Uh, if he's good, he's got a long career ahead of him, probably 10 years or so. Um, and both of those goaltenders, I mean, it's a good problem to have. So I would be patient, and, and but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be fine. Um, and if it were me, I would I would see if there's a deal out there for Georgiev if I had to pick. Um, but boy, that's a tough one. That's a tough decision to be made, especially since Lundqvist has another year. Otherwise, Georgiev and Shostyorkin next year could be your one too, but that's probably not going to happen. Um... Okay, yeah. So that, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a day. Xenome Project's last few things are yeah. I I see what you're saying. So he's basically saying forwards peak earlier because it's more physical. Um, you know, most NFL quarterbacks are all over thirty. All all the best ones, with notable exceptions, are all over thirty. Sure. I mean, maybe defensemen are pretty physical as well. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, I think it's just that players are always getting faster and younger players are always getting better. And there's a lot more forwards in the league than defensemen, and those guys, those jobs can be cycled a lot. And the older generation, once they hit their peak, the younger generation is always better, and it keeps sort of pushing forward. But anyway, uh, I'm going to stop because this has been going on for two hours, and I'm going to quit because I'm going to lose my voice. I hope you all have a lovely week. I got to go watch a Ramuski game tonight, uh, so I will enjoy that. Uh, enjoy your week. This was lovely great turnout back on a Wednesday uh should be back next week there won't be one over the holiday break I'll have to double check the dates but one I'm taking a holiday break because I need to get out of town and and hang out with some family so I apologize in advance for that but I hope you enjoyed tonight uh click the buttons below everywhere if you want more stuff uh there's all kinds of stuff down there merchandise and and other avenues to communicate with me and I'm doing a really good job of selling myself I know um speaking of selling myself uh i never mind wink uh stay tuned for stuff anyway uh thank you very much for joining me this was lovely i really enjoyed this discussion that we had covering all kinds of different topics uh if you missed any of it it'll be a podcast tomorrow it'll be archived as a live stream tonight uh so yes thank you very much hope you all have a lovely week you're all great and uh see you next time